0: hi i'm jen and i'm kai and we are both boy mums navigating between teenage years discussing nutrition exercise midlife lifestyle and more
1: welcome to the midlife munching and movement podcast Hello everybody. Today we are talking about ourselves because everybody loves to talk about themselves. We thought we would introduce ourselves and get to know you and each other a little bit better. So I'm going to go ahead and ask Kyra to introduce who she is and what
0: she does and why she loves it. Hello. So this is never easy is it talking about yourself. It's like when you get a new job. And you have to stand up and everyone should everyone introduce yourself as an icebreaker. But I will give it my best shot. Um, so I am 42. Um, I am from the northwest of England, but I live in the Midlands now. And I have one child, um, a son who is 17, nearly 18. And I'm a nutritionist. And I coach people um, generally in midlife and to help them achieve their nutritional goals, um, whether that be weight loss, improving a health outcome, etc. And I have recently returned to university to convert my qualifications to dietetics. So yeah, I'm a mature student. Dietetics. Yeah. Tell me about that. What is it? so a dietetics degree leads to being a registered dietitian which is different to a nutritionist because registered diet- dietitians even i can't say it um work clinically with people to help improve health outcomes um and the, the the variety of health outcomes that of health conditions sorry that dietitians work with is really vast and you'll usually find them in a clinical setting um in a hospital etc
1: Interesting. Hmm. More in depth. More what, in depth. What um made you go down that route and go further?
0: So I I've, I've always loved fitness um, and nutrition. I've always had an interest in that. And I have a particular interest in endocrine disorders. So things like thyroid conditions polycystic ovarian syndrome Think you know things that affect that sort of um endocrine system within our bodies and it i just the, i have a thirst for knowledge and i'm always learning and i just thought this was the perfect thing for me to kind of dig my fingers into go down the rabbit hole and kind of do a lot more research and and find out and answers to questions i've always had How's it going? Do you love it? Love it. <laughs> <laughs> love, love, is love it. Is it
1: um? Is it more in depth than you thought? No, no,
0: no. It's not more in depth than I thought. It's um. It is a lot of work, and yeah, I guess in in that respect, I thought there's a misconception that you there's a lot of downtime with university and that students don't do an awful lot, but actually in clinical um, studies, there isn't. (laughs) It's like (laughs) three whole semesters. So yeah, it is a lot of work, but it's not, it's definitely as in-depth as I thought it would be.
1: So you're working as a nutritionist as well. Yeah. And your child is now 18. 17, nearly 18 so how are you managing that how are you balancing work life mum life uni life
0: wife it, life it's really interesting because there are a lot of um, parents who are adult returners to university and they each has their own unique struggle and journey within that. So there are some, some people there with children under five and um, people with tweens like you have. And then I, mine's the oldest um, out of all of the adult returners there. And so, you know, I suppose in that respect, I've got it a little bit easier because he's independent and he can get himself to and from places. He's just recently passed his driving test so that's given us a lot more freedom without having to like plan where I've got to be and getting him to places um so that that's made life a lot easier um but he is he's great actually because he's really self-sufficient um and so I could if we're really struggling for time then I can ask him to make a meal and he will um so yeah it's it's been in that respect it's more kudos to him than anything that he's just adapted to it really well and stepped up to help out where he can
1: so how long do you have left at uni
0: another two years Mm. does
1: it feel like do you feel like it's gone quick yeah
0: it's flown it's really flown yeah it makes you wonder whether you'll ever stop learning wanting to learn more (laughs) i I don't think you will (laughs) no neither do
1: i i I don't see that happening i think if i Um, said i would
0: i'd be lying to us all
1: (laughs) i have said so many times i'm not studying anymore (laughs) i've just just gone on and found something else it's just (laughs) it's unintentional um do you feel like um you know what direction you want to go with it
0: when I entered into this, yes, I did. I thought I knew, like I just explained to you, I have a real interest in endocrine disorders, um, female health, um, etc. Now I'm not as sure because every day I learn something new, and every day I'm like, wow, what's this? <laughs> and yeah, and so I wouldn't want to say this just specifically this. What I know in my heart is that I will never tire of working with people on weight loss and weight gain goals because mm-hmm. of society's expectations. And, um, and I think I have a unique point of view for that, that I help my clients with and help them to overcome. So I have a real passion for that side of things. So I think supporting people in weight management will always be one of my biggest passions
1: random question Mm -hmm. um with you just saying that so I have recently had a conversation with um somebody on Instagram where they were another professional and they suggested that I shouldn't be um mentioning weight loss Mm -hmm. in the the context that I did so it's I predominantly work with new mums yeah. and um in one of my posts I mentioned uh, weight gain during pregnancy and then weight loss after um when baby's here and um the conversation went along the lines of you know mums are under a lot of pressure mm-hmm. they shouldn't need to you know blah 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 um how do you feel as somebody that deals with helping people with their weight loss goals when it comes to talking about it openly
0: talking about it openly with everyone in As yeah in principles.
1: a well ultimately it, that's how you're going to get your clients isn't
0: it by talking openly about
1: the fact that you can help them with their weight loss goals Yes. On, yeah. On social media. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in a society where it is a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to have a certain body type,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I find predominantly like my clients that would come to me with a weight loss goal after pregnancy. There is a stigma attached to that and that they're almost quote unquote not allowed to lose weight once they've had baby within a specific time frame because it's yeah. shameful. Right. um so how do your clients deal with it when they come to you when they come and they say I want to lose weight is there a lot of stigma attached to both having extra body weight and also the need or the want to lose it
0: yeah oh it's such a complicated situation because for example the the what you've just said to me there the nuance involved in that one single conversation is huge because Mm. you've got on one hand, people online snapping back in inverted commas to their pre baby body, um, which is massively unhelpful, but normal for some people too. Um, But, you know, that's somehow been glorified, like everyone should be able to do that. And some people just simply can't do that. Some people who gain weight during pregnancy and struggle to get rid of it. Some people who gain weight during pregnancy and it comes off really quickly. Some people who want to diet and some people who don't. And then you've got the people who do want to diet, feel like they're letting the side down for the ones who don't and vice versa. And so it's such a nuanced conversation. And there's so many things that I've left out of that and the problem with all of this conversation is that what's missing is the individual mm-hmm. and the individual's unique perspective and how they feel. Because you can't be healthy if you're unhappy. Mm-hmm. And if you're constantly worrying and obsessing about something in particular, it would be that your weight, you're, not, you're too light, you're too heavy, you're not the shape you want to be that's not helpful and if you can do that safely and with support then and that's what you want to do then everyone should have the right to make their own decisions it's their body at the end of the day and I feel that with my clients who I have worked with um, postnatal clients in the past but generally speaking I work with midlife clients they come with a whole different set of expectations and societal opinions that they've carried for a long time, which is massively unhelpful, massively. And I think that we all need to kind of remember that we need to be kind and see people as individuals and let each person make their own choices.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel like that's the one of the problems with social media, is that, like you say, the nuance to it, like
0: mm.
1: it just isn't there. So my when I create my content, it's only ever thinking if that can help one person or help one person to reach out and ask the question. Um, I think from my point of view, if, if somebody is postnatal when they're looking to lose weight, my mm. job is to help them unpack that and do it safely. And yeah. in, a, in a place where it's out of a love for themselves as opposed to a punishment so
0: yeah yeah absolutely that and that's the crux of it isn't it so you introduce yourself now Jen oh it's the excitement
1: <laughs> um well I'm Jen hi <laughs> I'm a um strength and conditioning personal trainer with um nutrition I also am a nutritionist I'm a massage therapist manual therapy um which is for me personally, it's like meditation. I don't feel like that's a job at all. It's really soothing. I'm a mum of one. He is, how old is he? He's 11, <laughs> He's 11 <laughs> going on 12. So I am just going into the high school experience. I'm now juggling that um, uh, and a lot of heightened emotions. Mm. Of a tween. um, I'm a single mum. I'm self employed. I'm a daughter and a sister and a friend. Not a particularly good friend at the (laughs) moment. I'm on a a hiatus. I don't see my friends. (laughs) (laughs) Bless them. And I predominantly work with females, particularly in the pre and postnatal periods of their lives. So I'm what you would call a specialist pre and postnatal trainer. So that borderlines uh, rehab work um, as well as strength and conditioning on that side of things. So I work often cross-refer with a lot of physios Mm-hmm. Um and then there's like this weird random little bolt on to qualifications where you can work rehabilitatively if that's a word. Yeah, just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's it, really. That's me.
0: Wow, busy, busy. Not busy. really. Looks it. <laughs> no, not I busy. Am. Not too busy to learn <laughs> new things.
1: No, not at sure. all. I am currently finishing off um the next phase of my strength and conditioning qualification that's the tail end of it now I've got the next level up so I'm currently level three so it will go to level four um and then that just
0: puts the rehab stuff like final bolt so strength and conditioning coach explain what that means
1: um so it's slightly more in depth than PT. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be able to work with sports teams or athletes um, if I decided to, um, to get them uh, strong, ready for their games um, with a mix of strength in the gym and conditioning for their actual sports. and you like I say you can work with individuals or team so my um thinking when I went down that route was that um I'm obsessed slightly by the pelvic floor I love pelvic floor therapy and work I know that I don't want to go down the physio route Mm -hmm. because I often find that currently um particularly in the NHS um we're really not serving women in a way that is necessarily the best way for them and I think that for me that would be really restrictive Um, so I decided against that but I really loved working with the women's health physios that I have worked with for a few years. So I did the strength and conditioning to be able to take them from the the next phase. So, you know, like with any injury that you have, you would have a certain level of um, pel- uh, pelvic floor work. Yeah, I mean, you might, but not really. <laughs> um, you would have a, a certain level of rehabilitation. Um, mm-hmm. And so for, say, if you had a hip replacement, for instance, it might be that the physio would get you walking up the stairs and you know feeling good but for some people their function is so much higher so in sports there is um quite a lot of pelvic floor um issues whether that's overactive underactive um you know and it it leads them because they're such fit individuals people don't think about how to Negate the um. What's the word? I've got like a brain fog today. It's the menopause. Um, to the the symptoms. So they might, for instance, you know, if you've got a triathlete that's going for a run, and yeah. they they're leaking, mm-hmm. um, towards the tail end of it, people will just be like, "Oh well, you know, it's it's the end of the race, so you will do." Marathon runners mm-hmm. have a, you know, you can't just stop to go to the toilet. And it's a lot of them do just go to the toilet while they're running. Um, Gymnasts, um, pole dancers, dancers in general, you know. um, So I like that side of things for my own personal, like the in-depth work that goes along it. That It's like you're a little bit of a detective for somebody's body. And that to me is just like, fascinating to be a part of Um, but then when I first started ultimately having had a baby and I was very active like we I just was told not to be as active and I found that very hard to do Mm. because I was active <laughs> it was you know but I, I really suffered from HG when I was pregnant so I had a lot of sickness so I had to kind of balance the, the, the both and I think that's why I went down the pre and postnatal route because I just didn't want to I, want... I always think movement is medicine you can cure most things with movement um, and I don't feel like telling somebody to rest is always the best option and research doesn't back that up now either. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just, that that for me is where I want to be. Like, I don't want to, I don't see myself doing anything else mm. other than, you know, really helping women to understand their bodies in a way that they fully understand it because it, a lot of us are just brushed off.
0: Yeah.
1: And so my job is to help women understand their bodies on an anatomical level Mm -hmm. um and to ask the questions and not be afraid to ask the questions that they need answering and also to challenge perceptions Mm -hmm. um so c-sections I'm very passionate about because that is one of the only surgeries um wait probably the only surgery now but uh, where you don't get physical therapy after it's just not a thing like you get sent home told not to lift anything Mm. but that's not possible for mums so my job there is to kind of help them move in a way that is beneficial for their bodies while not creating a danger or pain Mm for them
0: yeah I've seen some of your work on that you also (laughs) um I've seen you do a lot of work with forgive me if I pronounce it wrong diastasis recti
1: yeah diastasis recti yep fascinated by it I think it's um I would say out of any anything that's probably my favorite Mm -hmm. because the um the way that it is perceived is mostly completely incorrect and the way that women in the whole world are just it's one of those things that people can make women feel so broken Mm -hmm. and so insecure about that they can then capitalize on it and it irritates me more what,
0: what exactly is
1: it so it is a separation of your linear alba. Most um a lot of people can get it. So a lot of people don't understand that um some babies have it. Like my little boy has got a small bum. Um so your linear linear alba is like a rectus sheath um on your abdomen. So it's like um ligaments. So when you look at a picture of a body, like if you just Google the abdomen online, it it would be the white bit down the middle okay. and it Um, either side of it you've got your rectus abdominis which is your six-pack muscle Mm -hmm. the the visible muscle Um, and then that is the bit it needs to separate in order for you to grow a human so 100% of pregnant people are going to get it like everyone gets it. it it's a natural adaptation of your abdominals in order for you to grow a human it just depends how big the gap is Mm. for it to, um, I don't like it, but quote unquote matter. Um, So anything kind of two fingers and below is not a massive issue. It's considered normal. So a lot of doctors kind of wouldn't um, look at that. Um, And Does go back after pregnancy in around about 70 cases, 70% of cases, 70 to 80% of cases of of women. So it's it's a smaller percentage that have it. The problem is, as as with everything, um, you get the special programs that can fix (laughs) your diastasis and you know, special exercises to fix and um you don't have to fix it because it you, it it's fine like it's a normal adaptation and I think that's the thing that I would l- love to encourage people to understand about the body is just how magical it is mm. that it will adapt enough to grow a human and then this I guess it's part of the snapback culture um that you pop baby out and all of a sudden like your body you know everything shrinks back and from a um organ point of view it's not going to happen like (laughs) because it had to it had to all expand still waiting 18 years later I know (laughs) know, yeah (laughs) and like your you know your abdominals they had to stretch so much in order to bring that baby into the world but then um I've worked with a lady that she's, her gap is unlikely to close. It was four cent, uh, four fingers when I first met her um, and it was quite deep as well. Um, and she'd had it for about 13 years. So she'd had it from her first child and she had three. So it is likely that with each pregnancy, it maybe got a little bit bigger and the elasticity within the muscle, Mm. it wasn't there to come back. However, she's down to like one finger now and it's functional. And I think that's the thing that like I educate women on is that the actual gap, it's not a big thing. It doesn't matter. From a um, aesthetic point of view, it matters to women. From an aesthetic point of view, it matters, you know, if they're in their underwear or naked or on a beach in a bikini or there's that um, mum tum vibe going on. Mm. People, you know, put a lot of emphasis on that. And from the point of view of the individual, that is something that comes up a lot. And I think that's really important to acknowledge is that it's all right to think about it on an aesthetic level, actually. I don't see why you should be ashamed that you are thinking about it from an aesthetic point of view, because we all think about how we look, whether that's for ourselves or other people is irrelevant, but we do have that. Um, But from a strength point of view, if you work in the right way, then you can do all of the things in the gym that you have always done it might just take a little bit of time to bring that strength back in. The gap itself is not the issue. It's the tone of the muscle around it. And it is, research doesn't support the fact that people say you definitely will have back pain. You definitely will have pelvic floor issues. The research just doesn't support that. It's You could, you might, but it might not be that gap either. So I really love my work on that just because it is so rewarding to watch a woman say she can't do something because of this gap so I'll just say oh okay and we break it down often and then by the end of the session she's doing the thing that she told me she couldn't do because we've just taken the steps out of it it's, it's the same with dieting you know when people tell you they can't eat a certain <laughs> amount of calories yeah they've done yeah. yeah they've done it all so you just break it down take one step at a time mm. um, yeah, so women definitely get it because like when they have their babies men can have it um you can have it if you haven't had a baby and you're a woman Uh, it is a it's the linear alba that is um having an adaptation it's not strong enough to
0: hold so
1: it's a little
0: gap it's also really interesting what you said about aesthetics you know know, our bodies do adapt and they do change and and, you know, I think we've already talked about like the the nuance of snapback culture and wanting to change our bodies, et cetera. And I think that one of the questions that we had was um, how about about this podcast today was like, what do you wish you could change? that you've learned over the years so if you look back through your life what would you do differently because you've you've now learned from it and i think that one of my things is that if i could go back to those days after having had my son i would be less embarrassed by my stretch marks because i now completely accept them and i think that you know we need to as a society be able to share all of ourselves unapologetically if we can in order to help other people come to terms with how they look Mm. if that makes sense if I think that's something that I've learned that I wasted a lot of time feeling bad about myself unnecessarily when I didn't need to what did you feel bad about where the
1: stretch marks are concerned what was the thought process as to why they were bad
0: exactly why (laughs) exactly that Jen um it's just society I think at the time they you know I just remember growing up being surrounded by airbrushed pictures of perfect models with six-pack abs and thinking well it'll never look like that now it will never look like that again hmm
1: Relax. I always find it really fascinating when people talk about their their bodies not looking like it did after baby. Mm. And i but I, I think it's fine that they don't. Um, it is a hundred percent possible that it could It's whether or not you want it to, in the sense of your priorities change and you don't have necessarily the same commitments to yourself that you did pre-pregnancy because somebody else's needs come before yours. Um, But also I think that um, it can be better actually. Like I think being pregnant is such an empowering time. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love um, training prenatal women is that if, if we can change that perception of just how powerful and how magical that body is at that time and what it is actually doing. Once you have baby take the time to to settle into motherhood and figuring out you know mentally who you are because you do change um but actually I just like your thoughts on it now like I love watching a woman understand that her body could be better than it was pre-pregnancy not not from an aesthetic point of view but from a strength point of view like just how much that body has done and what it is capable of doing mm-hmm. and i think that level of perceptional change watching women then in training come from a place of love with their nutrition and their training that's where the, that's where you get the changes that they want in their bodies
0: yeah absolutely I totally agree with you it is it is that um yeah that moment of realization and I don't know whether it's just parenthood that does that or whether it's also age but you Mm. start to realize just how strong you are and what you are capable of and things that you might never have even considered in the past that you can now do suddenly um, and that's such an empowering thing to live through. And suddenly the things that have held you back are so much less important.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think that's the thing that I would probably change is <laughs> I would just have the attitude of I just don't care sooner. Yeah. They're, like when I think back to the amount of times and situations where I didn't say what I truly felt, or I felt like if I said it, I might upset someone. Um, that Those are the things that I would change. Like physically, I don't think I could have done any better at the time with the knowledge that I had, but there were definitely times because I'm quote unquote, too much. I often <laughs> just sat quietly. Well, I wouldn't say I sat quietly, but I, I like lowered my
0: yeah.
1: desire or my expectations or, you know, and I think those are the things that I would change because I didn't do what I needed to do to be fully myself. And I think that's when you're fully yourself, that's, you know, empowering yeah Mm -hmm. you realize again like you're not just it's you're not just strong in your body you're strong in your mind yeah those are the things that like get you through but I that's definitely an age thing yeah (laughs) but
0: but likewise though like I do think there is a part of motherhood that does change your your mindset in that way because massively like the moment you know that this is happening. Your, mm-hmm. <laughs> this different side of your personality immediately emerges I feel mm-hmm. it might be mm-hmm. for some people um you know you might be more likely to stand up for your child than you are for yourself mm-hmm. but it will it will bring about a change in most people
1: yeah I think that's that was my turning point
0: definitely yeah like yeah, the
1: conversations the lack of I'm going to say lack of patience I am but a a lack of patience for situations a lack of tolerance for behavior the need to have those difficult conversations they were no longer it was because from my point of view it's no longer about me Mm. because I I think like any parent the only thing that I ever really want for my child is for them to be happy but with that for me comes a responsibility of what I can't say to him I just need you to be happy if I am not myself and if I'm not making the moves to just be happy myself just a bit
0: of a hypocrite and I so (laughs) yeah modeling the behaviors that you would like them yeah to, to use in the future is part of parenting isn't it
1: yeah um One of the questions that I had, I just need to find it, submitted online was how old are your kids and do you think the lessons that you learnt on the boundaries
0: that you have have helped? Yes, so we (laughs) we already did the age thing, so my son is 17, just about to turn 18 Um, and all of the new challenges that having that part, that separation now time of that that's the way that I see this is that there's like a a, a, a shift in the relationship. Now at this point, you know, he passed his driving test. What a big change that brings to our life all of a sudden that start to think about thoughts like he's going to finish his A-levels next year. Is he going to go away to uni? Is he going to go away and get a job? you know there's that empty nest looming is you know and there's lots of changes very small but at the same time very very real and constantly in the back of your mind doing things you know we all when we raise our kids we always say you never know when the last bedtime story is going to be and you know you (laughs) you know you never know when these everything's the last um and as as you approach this time in in your child's life you kind of You're learning to grow with them in order to to separate the two of you, which have been just one for so long. And so I think that the boundaries that we have learned throughout the years and that we have shared together and that I have hopefully taught him how to put boundaries in place by modelling that behaviour, by saying this is what I expect from you and in return you can expect this back from me. Um, and now being able to watch him navigate his way through, you know, being a young man, having a job, going to sixth form, driving a car, and watching him display some of those behaviours. Yeah, I, I think I can hand on heart say that it it has made a difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that for me personally, that really was more of a, not an instructional thing as a parent more of a let's make our life as easy as possible um and we talked about on on our last podcast how I'm not a very confrontational person um and so having boundaries in place with a teenager and a tween which is very difficult (laughs) um you know is really really helpful because you can then just say look this is this is how you know I would expect to be treated and this is how I've been treating you and let's work out how that works together does that make sense mm, yeah
1: yeah I think I'm definitely like just at the start of that journey I'm obviously he's going to high school in yeah like two weeks I'm not ready to face that yet but um so I I've been on my own with him since he was three and it is a very, I think the relationship is slightly different to than if I had stayed with his dad because it has just been us and we have, I don't think it's the right phrase, but just had each other to lean onto. Not that I lean onto my child, but it, he would always be my first thought in every scenario mm-hmm. from, you know, whether that's financial right up to, you know, holidays or, whatever um and I definitely feel like I have had to grow into my boundaries it's not something I learned to do overnight and it is I think being a co-parent something that I've had to have in place But also, we have this saying called be bamboo, which just means to be strong, but flexible. Mm -hmm. So there are times where I have had to realize that a boundary for myself and how I would want to be treated may not be something that I can fully hold, because there are situations that I'm not going to agree with in the way that my co-parent would parent yeah um and that in itself is quite a difficult situation because in a co-parenting situation you also want to well I wanted to um it's not the same for all co-parents i fully understand that but uh, we we have a really good co-parenting relationship and we do fully respect each other but it's taken a lot of work A Mm. lot of conversations, a lot of honesty, a lot of silence, to be honest, like there are periods of time where we have had to say to each other, I cannot talk to you right now. Like you can have contact with your child, but we are not to like, I just need some space. And I think from that point of view, sometimes I feel for my son because obviously he's got two different homes with two different ways of doing things and they are very different. Uh, but at the same time, we've grown together as a family. So even though we're not, like, in a marriage anymore, we're still a family. And that's a really important thing for us to um, to let our child know. We're, we've got him 100% together. Like, mm. publicly, we're always together on it. Privately, we might discuss it. And we might have to kind of find a compromise for each other's boundaries, and it's interesting watching our child navigate that outside of the home in, with friends and clubs and things. Because sometimes I do look at him and I do think, Mate, we've talked about that, like we're, we're not <laughs> on, like, but I think from my personal point of view, I, it, something I do struggle with is <laughs> um, trusting him to set his own boundaries. Okay. I think from from a parental point of view like I just want him to be safe mm. and I I'm not in any means a helicopter parent um but I I have in the last year really had to because he's always just wanting to play at home for instance like we have a lovely garden where he can do whatever he wants and you know he's got a pool and a football and games and whatever and he's got a lovely games room that he loves and he's only ever wanted to be at home or at a friend's house but now it's like can I go to the park yeah and it, I'm like <gasps> inside um but one thing I've really learned to do and we've always had a really open honest relationship and so one thing that I have learned from him because <laughs> Obviously, at some point, I've taught him and not realized he will hold me accountable. And he will say to me, Well, why can't I go? Explain it to me because you're just saying no. And I'm not a parent that just says no often. Very, very rarely will I ever just say no. I will always explain something. So I think with him saying that, I've then had to work through my own fears like, well, it's, going to the park is not the problem. These are the things around going to the park that do scare me. And then, annoyingly, he has always counteracted that with a solution. But within that, he's shown me that he respects my boundaries. And Mm. so, for instance, one of them will be, um, you have to have your location services so I know that you're in the park. He's always kept it on. He has a time limit of when he's got home. He's never been late. He's always been early if anything yeah. so for me it's like learning those things and watching him go into high school i think will be more difficult because yeah. i'm ultimately less there he will have more people with different views opinions he is in a position where his hormones are raging he's not sure who he is yeah there is that element of I just want to be part of the crowd. I want to impress people. He's not always been bothered about that growing up. And I'm hoping that he keeps that. Like he Mm. is a little bit weird as people. We are a little bit weird. Like we will randomly start dancing in the middle of a shop or, you know, (laughs) go for a run and stop in the middle of the street and start dancing or, you know, do funny voices to each other. And I'm hoping that he embraces who he is
0: but time will tell. We'll see. It is a really difficult time, that time through um, high school. And year seven is quite difficult because, the, like you said, the hormones are really, like, raging. They're so, they fluctuate up and down so much. There's a sense of being the small fish mm. as well um, and wanting to be the big fish. Yeah. <laughs> um, and And it is quite a difficult time. But it's actually really beautiful to watch it play out and to see your role evolve because it's part of that, sadly, that separation process. It's, mm. it's, it's the little parts of your child that you kind of let, have to let go mm. throughout the high school years um, because that little boy is now becoming a younger man. And so there's there's certain things that you've got used to over the years that will fall away and you'll think, do you remember when he used to do this and now he does that? You know. Um, but there will be new things that come along that you will love just as much. And I think if you take with you those learnings from that from naught to eleven, you'll feel you'll know exactly what I mean. And you know, in a few years to five years time, you'll say to me, Oh yeah, absolutely, because it felt like a really big daunting thing, but now actually. I see that every single stage through their life is totally different. Yeah. Yeah. I think it
1: is one of those things like as mums that we're not told about, isn't it? Like you're told when your baby is born, like they're your world. Yeah. And you must dedicate your life to them. Yeah. But you're not taught how to, how to really let go, but how to grieve that space while also being excited like my favorite age from him I would say was like four we had the best time mm-hmm. actually like so far I've really loved his him. The, yeah. the I'm not gonna lie like the mood swings are oh, hard <laughs> <laughs> but um I have learned a lot about myself and how i can be better not Mm. just for him but for other people as well yeah because i am that fix it person and i think most of the lessons that i have learned as a person in how to be better have always come from my son so as he ages and i need to learn that i can't (laughs) fix it and i have to step back like that's definitely hopefully something Mm. that i will get better at for other people in my life um but, yeah, that I just feel like it's a little bit you grieve it.
0: Yeah, you do a little bit. You do. But, you like I say, you fall in love with each each phase all over yeah. again. But I for mean, new yeah. reasons. It was interesting what you said about being a helicopter parent because I saw a quote online that said, don't be a helicopter parent, be a lighthouse. <laughs> mm and I really good. really liked like, that they were like you're here yeah. to guide you're here to guide them yeah not hover over them making sure it's done and, and it's thinking, so funny I love that I do call
1: my co-parent a helicopter like <laughs> even now like I would just like sleep leave him and it's really funny because when he's when he's around I'm not the the parent that's like panicky hmm. there are just situations where I'm like I really want to fix that for you like I really want
0: to go in and say it's so hard I'm tr- not
1: fixing it
0: I know so somebody oh. said this at school you just want to go in and you can't and I'm like, <laughs> like, did we,
1: so- my worry is that I will
0: <laughs> yeah and um, you won't if you ask you not to you won't um so we had a question do you have any hobbies do you have any hobbies hmm. I run you do run you run run. a lot a lot (laughs) yeah but I run for I just love it I just love running I didn't always love running I used to be rubbish at it I'm still not brilliant at it I'm still slow but I don't care is the difference Mm is that now I do it because I love it, I love being outside, I love my feet on the pavement, I love how far my legs can take me and I don't care whether I'm beating anyone, every time I'm out there I'm beating myself Um, Mm. and it's so good for my mental health and I think that feeling for me of achieving a goal or getting to the end of a run, even if it's just Tuesday morning's run, I did it, like it's still a real sense of achievement for me and it's, It's a different type of tired as well, which I can't really explain. Um, Yeah, I just love it. It it brings so much into my life, friendships, fitness, um, health, it helps me sleep, it improves my mental health. Um, And it's just time for me as well. And it's the most accessible thing, I think. So like being a full-time working mom, you know, like you said, you're a, you're a sister, you're a friend, you know, you all of these are things to other people as well. Sometimes fitting, exercising is hard work. So for me to be able to just mm. put my trainers on and get out the door and do a couple of miles and be back within 20 minutes and, and in the shower, it's just really useful for me. So I absolutely love to run. Um, I what also... do you do
1: when you run? Like, what do you listen to? Because I cannot run unless mm. I have really... Th- fast-paced music like drumming into my head i'm not a my friend runs and she listens to true crime podcasts and i'm just like i couldn't do it i listen (sighs) to books
0: audible i listen to audible um i did always used to listen to music but maybe this is a well this is definitely a midlife thing but at the moment i can't even put the radio on in the car i'm just so emotional it's really (laughs) bizarre oh this song makes me cry (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a crier anyway. So um, at the moment, yeah, for me, it is definitely all about audio books. And um, during the summer, while I've had some time away um, from in August from uni, um, I've been listening to novels. But Okay. I listen to nutrition, fitness, things like that. And my other hobby, I like to open water swim you do I do yeah I love to do I that. love
1: watching you doing that yeah your posts and it's mainly the cake after
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> definitely the cake and the chatting and the conversation at six o'clock in the morning in the car with a group of women your age that you think how the hell are we thinking about this <laughs> <laughs> so and what got you giggles. into the uh,
1: swimming the open water swimming
0: I always having obviously being a runner I always wanted to do a triathlon because I used to swim when I was younger for my town and then you don't have time and swimming is time expensive because you've got to get changed and etc etc um so that went by the wayside and then I wanted to do a triathlon but I, I am I was genuinely terrified of swimming in open water I'm really fish freak me out Germs freaks me out. <laughs> so I had a lot to overcome. Um and my my husband, bless him, took me to so many lakes, ponds, rivers, and sat on the edge of me while I went, any minute now, no, any minute now, no, any minute now, no. <laughs> and I think he was just thinking at some point I'm gonna push her in <laughs> but he was ever so patient and then one day he said he just lay back in the sun and thought I'm just gonna sunbathe and he just heard splash Yay! and he was it. like thank the lord <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I you know it went from there I have a great group of friends who try who do triathlons that really were really encouraging and yeah I I found this place that we now all go to and I was like does anyone want to try this and they're like okay and we've just done it ever since so mm. much fun so much fun and we went as well didn't we Jen
1: we did we did you were my first open water swim with Noah Noah came with us yeah to, uh, and it was nice What? so I'm scared of reeds and yes. things touching my feet that's what freaks me out so if I can see what is going on around me I'm fine I have done it a few times since I haven't gone far so I'm not there yet like my ambition I guess with it is to like I want to go like around a full lake swim but I just can't not see my feet (laughs) it's it's it's
0: a process (laughs) yeah you will get there you will just keep thinking of me and how long it took you'll be fine i know yeah <laughs> so what about your hobbies
1: um so my hobbies are probably really interlinked just with my life um mm. very much like i love cooking i'm obsessed with like trying to not waste any of my food mm-hmm. um so I recently bought a cookbook that was like a waste food. So like anything for peelings and, you know, um, how you can like make it into cakes or little shavings of chips and stuff. Um, so I love that. And I try to have a whole day just in the kitchen with my music cooking. Um, but music's a massive part of my life. Um, I really love just playing music all the time like we very rarely have tv on in the house I very rarely have tv on the house the other one has it on a lot YouTube's a thing um and I just play music like all the time it's always either in my ears in the car or on the Alexa are you allowed to say that um (laughs) she'll pipe up in (laughs) a (laughs) minute um yeah and um obviously like I love throwing heavy things around so I love go if I'm not at work in the gym then I am probably in the gym you're not likely to find me a lot of other places um and I think I use my time there to really just really train but also I like going in sometimes to just do really random things if I'm having like a little bit of a disconnect with something I'm trying to get a client to do because it's a bit more in depth I like just going in and trying it mm. so I'll set the tripod up and you will often see me in the gym just doing like really weird things to the point where I know that people have filmed me doing it and then talked about it because I've seen them like when you film yourself in the gym a lot you know when people are filming you because you're you have done it yourself so um I'm that person there's probably weird videos of me somewhere (laughs) particularly with the teenagers (laughs) because they they just don't know like what the weird things are (laughs) doing yeah um and I think at the moment we're really like into adventures so I love walking with always always since he was little uh, since I was little like gone on hikes and stuff and that's a big thing but now Noah's a little bit older we are able to go higher and on more difficult trails so we'll often just jump in the car and we're not far from the lake district so um we'll often just jump in the car and find somewhere to like climb and stuff and he's getting more adventurous and I'm getting a little bit more like oh my god we're gonna die but so <laughs> it's a really it's a fun time like learning those aspects because he's like come on mum and when he was little I'd be like come on we can do it and I'm like oh my god <laughs> um, so yeah um yeah doing that and we're really lucky we live like around the peak district so we've got a lot quite close by Mm. Um, with adventure so we'll often just chuck our hiking boots on and it is something that I can do with him yeah. so when he was little you know I, I couldn't just leave him and go to the gym so I had to find something where it was easier to do and could be done anywhere and was free as well because when you know money was an issue kind of after what can you do that's active that gets you going that you know we will keep him and we used to combine it with like nature walks so mm. we'd do like bug hunts or find different kinds of stones um and those kinds of things so yeah I
0: guess now I just hike a little bit more on my own <laughs> yeah. we, we like to hike too and we're really lucky where we live because in Worcestershire there's lots of places to go and they the school system here does forest school
1: yes some of ours do yeah Yeah.
0: um so that's really great education um but we live um not far from the Licky Hills and the Malvern Hills so oh nice yeah Yeah. it's quite nice quite lucky to have that but yeah I do love to walk good that's my what can you do on your worst day thing yeah
1: exactly I always think that I'd start a lot of clients with just walking yeah yeah it's very rare that you get someone that
0: can't just do that it's like you say about movement I always think there's not much a good walk can't fix no absolutely having an argument go for a walk especially being in a rage you can't (laughs) explain I don't know why I'm angry I just am I'm going out (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah can't talk to you right now go away (laughs) do Um, we have any other questions
1: yes just one more it is if you could have any superpower what would it be and why
0: I'm so glad that you told me someone had sent this question in earlier because (laughs) I would not have been able to think of an answer on the spot Um, but I was thinking about it when you told me and this was last night wasn't it and what was Mm. I doing chopping onions I think um (laughs) just for just for context um I think and we already touched on it today I think if I had a superpower I wouldn't go for probably one of your traditional ones like flying or anything like that I think I would free people from the weight of other people's opinions
1: this is so funny
0: is that yours no but oh, we're not but far that, off that was going to be I was like wow, that would be the weirdest <laughs> thing if we've just come up with the same thing um yeah because why, I think, why is that I just just in my work The damage that is done to people by themselves from spending so much time worrying about what other people think Mm. is, yeah, it's, and, and I spend a lot of time working on that with people and it's so unnecessary. And I don't mean, just to be clear, I don't mean that we shouldn't care what people think because of course to a certain degree we should care what people think we should be going out there just doing whatever we want and thinking Mm. you know Mm. it's okay however it impacts other people because we feel most important I don't mean that at all but what I mean is there's so much of our life that we waste and our time that we spend thinking about things that really we shouldn't be Mm. considering
1: I think it's really interesting the way you've just said that about um, the fact that you shouldn't not care about what other people think. So I think this is a misconception that I have, uh, that I do talk about a lot, um, and I am going to swear, so for those of you that don't like swearing, you might want to just cover your ears. There's this book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yes. And it is single-handedly the best book that I have ever read. I've read it about four times and i am a note taker i put notes in all my books and every time i've read this book i have received it differently but um the misconception with it it is the title is the subtler of not giving a fuck and because i will often say to people i don't give a fuck or i don't care Mm -hmm. people that comes across wrong it comes across like you don't care. And it's not that at all. It's that it it taught me to understand what do I care about enough to actually care about, to care so deeply that I can give my best in that and mm. strip back everything else, yeah. which is what you say, like to the point where if somebody is talking about something that just is not... Context like it's not on my radar. Yeah, I don't need to offend them or berate them or ask them to go away or anything like that. I can just sit and hold the space and listen to them, but I don't need to give an opinion on it. No, and I can be interested in something that they're interested in without taking on that that for myself. And it makes life just so much easier when you're in that space because it, it again, goes back to boundaries. It helps you set your boundaries,
0: yeah. what is acceptable and what isn't. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think just to bring me back a little bit to what, like, what sort of things come up with clients in this respect is I can't go in the gym because my body's too big or my body's too mm-hmm. small. Mm-hmm. And what will the people in the gym think? They'll think I'm weak or they'll think i'm fat or they'll think i'm stupid or like mm-hmm. i don't know what i'm doing i'll look ridiculous like what they don't what? care <laughs> like nobody cares nobody, nobody in the cares. Gym cares
1: Every everybody in the gym
0: is thinking the same thing yeah, even, the tra-
1: even, on with it. even the trainers yeah i um, can guarantee
0: you and so that's one area that it come, shows up in. Another one that's always, and this is a body image area, Then this is one very strange body image area, and somebody will be listening and they will go, oh, that's me. I can't wear a sleeveless top. Mm, the amount of women.
1: Interestingly, the amount of muscular women that I know will not wear a short-sleeve top.
0: I've had women who were in really small bodies, i can't wear a sleeveless top why my arms Mm -hmm. are too thin Mm -hmm. okay i can't wear a sleeveless top why my arms are too muscly okay Mm -hmm. i can't wear a sleeveless top why my arms are too fat Mm. i can't wear a sleeveless top why i've got bingo wings endless you just can't win yeah i it's 30 degrees wear the top yeah, no one cares. Nobody's looking at your arms. I've never once heard another person go, oof, have you seen her arms? I have <laughs> never, ever heard that of anyone.
1: But it that, came from somewhere.
0: It did come from somewhere. And, that, and that, I'm not negating the how thing. they feel. They, they yeah. you know, 100% feel that, and it's a real issue to them. Um,
1: but often... I'm not
0: playing it, that down. I, it's a real, real thing, but we as a society worry about things and how other people yeah. are looking at us often mm. unnecessarily and I wish I could help people overcome that like, I can help people overcome that I wish I could have a waiver wand yeah <laughs> it's, gone. it's gone goodbye
1: my when I when I had um a lot of counseling my therapist once said to me um it's not them it's you yeah and I was like I know that's why I'm in therapy, but <laughs> <laughs> he he just basically said like when you feel other people are judging you, that's you judging yourself. It's,
0: it is exactly that, yeah.
1: And it changed my life. Yeah. Get get your arms out. Just no yeah. one no one cares. <laughs> no. Um, I think Except for you. me, it's um, get, it. Just the reason I I laughed when you said yours is because mine is not a traditional one either so mine would really be to like actually spread love for ourselves and other people because what I see in my work daily is a general feeling of I am not enough Mm. and that always like when people think of self-love they always think of bubble baths and candles and, you know, all the fluffy stuff, getting your nails done and your hair done and stuff. And we spoke about this earlier before we started recording just about um, like when we do our makeup, how we're ready for the day. And I'm not negating those areas can contribute towards it because they absolutely do. And I think, that sometimes you do need a bubble bath and sometimes you do need a good book and sometimes you do just need to put your lipstick on and, you know, get on with the day. But I also think that the hard things that you do for yourself are the best forms of love for yourself Mm. that then enable to give to others. And a lot of the... Um behave behavioral things that we see from people and their habits are always down to just that wow it's just not enough like I don't do it enough and it um I'm watching someone currently who is just really struggling to uh just just get just get up and get on and I see what an amazing person he is and the things that make him so special like they shine Mm. but he's so beaten down that he just there's not a glimmer of light and so I think from my point of view if I could just way of a magic wand it would just to give everybody a little bit of an inkling of what light they had inside of them mm. that made them special that made them be a bit brighter because i always think when you are at your full capacity then you're unbreakable mm. and you can give more to others and then when you give more to others it's like you know sprinkling like the there is a word for it I'm trying to think it's just honestly my brain (laughs) (laughs) um it's like the ripple effect yeah you know you you start with a little stone and then it just gets bigger Uh, so Mm. I think that's where I would go so there you go completely untraditional I love it yeah
0: Yeah. very typical of both of us to have come up with something different (laughs) I love it (laughs)
1: Right, um, that's it for the questions and right. our little quick twenty-minute podcast is that hour.
0: Yeah. Oh, we hate talking about ourselves. Oh, oh, let's just not <laughs> stop for an hour and a half. It's <laughs> hilarious. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um.
1: Okay. So I've got nothing else to say. So I'm happy to. You're going to sign off. Go
0: gonna you did enjoy listening to this please give us a like subscribe and leave us a review please
1: yeah we will see you next time where we are going to talk about the fringe and restrict cycle and give you some hints and tips how you can combat that
0: yeah guilt and shame how that plays into your goals that'll be a long one That'll be a long one. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I'll see you
1: then. I'll see you then. Bye. Bye.